0: We've been talking about faith, right? And I'm going to keep talking about faith. I'm just going on different subjects here and uh, pulling out some things that uh, have been a while. And as I was studying these last few weeks, I came across, I mentioned it to you in one of our instructions, um, this little character by the name of Jabez. I don't know if any of you remember about a decade ago. It's been about 10 years ago now. I think it was Bruce Wilkinson wrote a little book. It was called The Prayer of Jabez. Yeah, do you still have it? I still have it. And um, if, if you didn't have opportunity to read it, it's a, it's a neat little book. It talks about this character Jabez. And, and it is an interesting uh, read, and he's an interesting guy in the scripture. And he just naturally lends himself to the teaching and the discussion about faith. And so I want to talk a little bit about Jabez. He was just talking to me in some personal ways. And When you're a pastor, a lot of times personal things do spill out. I do my best to make sure I can distinguish between what's for me and what's for you. Um, But every now and then I think the two probably collide and it spills out on everybody. And I just want to talk a little bit about Jabez because uh, it it has highly impacted my life in so many ways. And I want to talk tonight, if you like writing these things down, probably the next few messages I'm going to call Breakthrough to the Blessing. I'll just call it Breakthrough to the Blessing. And then there may be a subtitle, like tonight, which is Just Ask. Just Ask. If you have your Bibles, you can open it up to 1 Chronicles 4. If you wonder where Jabez is located, 1 Chronicles chapter 4. There is a genealogy here. Actually, 44 names, if I counted correctly, in this particular genealogy. I don't know about you, I've not preached for many genealogies in my day. In fact, can I be honest with you? Oftentimes when I'm reading through my Bible, I'll get to a genealogy and I'll just skip it. Okay, I'm seeing some head shakes, so some people are honest here. Maybe the others of you just go ahead and read the genealogy. I I know it's God's word, but it's like when you get caught up in all those names, it's just like it's overload. (laughs) And eventually I go, I don't care, you know, I'm just trying to trying to, you know, God, what are you saying to me today? And you aren't, you aren't saying to me, you know, the Zahora Heights. I don't know what that has to do with me today. So, but, you know, genealogies are really interesting. And uh, this wasn't in my notes, but it just kind of popped in me. You know why genealogies are important? It's because, number one, is God's concerned about individuals. That's what a genealogy tells me, that God's concerned about individuals. Number two, it tells me God's concerned about family trees. Isn't it? The third thing it tells me as you read genealogies is there's always some black sheep in the family tree. <laughs> no offense to my brother, Terry. All right. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's just one of those words. So we're in this genealogy here. 44 names. Jabez comes up. As they're writing it through there, they're just, they're just talking about all of, these, all of these things that are going on there. And in First Chronicles 4, verse 9, how many of you have brought your Bible tonight? How many of you have a new King James Version, just out of curiosity? All right. I don't know if it is or it's not. The only reason is I'm going to ask you to read along with me. And if you read, like, out of the New International and someone else reads out of the old King James and someone got a New American Standard, it'll sound like the day of Pentecost, all right? So, so, so you may just want to lip along, you know, as, as we read this. But it says here in First Chronicles 4, 9, it says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez because, or saying, because I bore him in pain. She named him that, obviously. So verse 10. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, now this is the part, if you would uh, please read with me, and why don't we just pray this prayer that Jabez prayed so many years ago, we read. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. Isn't that a great prayer? And then it concludes by saying, So God granted him uh, what he requested. Now, as you read a genealogy and then when you find, of course, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, That the writer suddenly stops. You know, he's just writing these names off, but then all of a sudden he stops and he gives Jabez like these, like two verses. You know, everybody else gets like, you know, a quarter of a verse. You know, it's just such and such, the son of such and such. But then he stops and he gives Jabez uh, two verses all to himself. And so there is something in the mind of God that was moved upon the writer when he wrote these things down. And the Lord was literally saying, I want you to know something about this guy called Jabez. I want you to know something about this guy in the middle of this great genealogy that's really going to be important for you because uh, Jabez is different than the rest. I mean, these might have been good people in the genealogy, but Jabez was different. There were some things that happened to Jabez that caused him to be an extraordinary person. Now, here's the first question we come to, and it's this. Would you like for God to do something in your life that would cause you to be extraordinary in his purposes and in his kingdom? I would hope the answer would be yes. And I really believe that God wants to do extraordinary things in all of his people. Now, what do we know about Jabez? Let me tell you just a little bit. We don't know much, but the little bit we know is this. Apparently, uh, life started out somewhat Badly for Jabez, because it says that his mother called him Jabez um, because uh, I bore him, the Bible says, in pain. His name literally means pain. So, I don't know how else to put it, but Jabez, even when he was born, was a pain. And anybody that knows anything about Hebrew uh, names, if you've done any study on it, you understand that there was a prophetic aspect to Hebrew names, that that they called their children certain names, and, and I don't know why they called them some of the names, but it literally, in Hebrew mentality, would come with it sort of a prophetic utterance with regards to uh, who they would be and what their life would be all about. Jesus, when he was named Jesus, was the name of Jesus' as Savior. In fact, it actually is a derivative, a Greek derivative of Joshua, which is the Savior of the people. And Joshua literally, literally did that. And, and, of course, Jesus... Uh, epitomizes uh, all of those, all of those things. Israel, uh, the name Israel means the prince of nations. These names had prophetic context to it. Uh, Those of you that have been to encounter, you'll remember Jacob. What does Jacob mean? Well, deceiver, usurper. Yeah. And and, and that's exactly what Jacob did all of his life. And so there was almost like this prophetic utterance uh, that would come over their life. And so Jabez gets marked, even at his birth, as being in pain. He was was a pain. And so he started out badly. Uh, Obviously, it was a tough birth, a tough situation. But somehow or another in his life, he caught something that no one else in this family tree caught or in this lineage or genealogy caught. He caught how to pray in such a way that God, it says here in verse 10, granted him uh, what he requested. So... I don't know about you but that's good news to me because it doesn't matter how you started life out it doesn't matter what it is that maybe was decreed over your life you know some of you and and again we've dealt with this at encounter people have decreed things over people's lives you know you're no good you're a loser you know you, you'll 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 always you'll always be at the bottom i mean people declare just word curses over our lives and you could have started out bad and you might have even emulated those things that people have spoken over you. But here's the good news. The good news is you could have started out life in pain or have been a pain, but you can reach the place where God will grant to you what you've requested. That's a pretty good leap, isn't it? I think so. He broke through to a place of incredible blessing and it left a permanent mark on Israel. It left a permanent mark in so much as we are left a record of all that he did. And if you've ever thought that prayer changes things, this proves that one sentence in the will of God can open up a new future. I'll say that again. One sentence in the will of God can open up a new future. God wants to do great things in your future, but I'm going to give you a key right now. Write this down. Memorize it. You can probably memorize it. It's this. Just ask. Just ask. You understand what it says in James chapter 4? It says you have not because of what? And he goes on to say that uh, the reason you have not is because you've asked amiss. And I started to look at that prayer again uh, or that statement James made again. You have not because you ask not, and when you ask, you're asking amiss. What God's looking for is this from you and I. He's looking for on-target praying. On-target praying. I understand you pray. I pray too. We probably all have prayed and are praying here. I want to ask you, do you know if you have on-target praying? There's a difference. You know, there's sort of like I'm going to pray and we'll just throw it all on the wall and we'll see what sticks. But then there's the praying that's on target, that can hit the bullseye, that's the will of God, that God wants to move on swiftly and quickly. Now, as you think about that, I want to ask you another question. Do you think that God has favorites? Now, I know what you're going to say, because if I was asked that question, I know what I would say, because I know what the right thing to say is. I'd say, no, 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 God God doesn't have favorites. God loves everybody. He loves everybody the same, no respecter of persons. I, I've, I've taught that. He, I, I, if someone asked me, do you think God has favorites? I would, I would just because of my training, a couple of verses that I'm aware of, I would instantly say, I don't think he has any favorites. But can I just share this with you? It says in verse 9, now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. In other words, Jabez had something going on that made him a cut different than his brothers. Now, I don't know whether you want to call that favorites or not, or I don't know how you want to unravel that uh, doctrinally. I think I I understand how I would unravel some of those things doctrinally. But I believe this. I believe that God has favorites in as much as that he has precepts and he has ways, and that if we elect to do his ways or implement his ways... He will move quickly and swiftly to those people. If we elect not to do his ways or his precepts, then we're going to find ourselves in a position where God may not move in our situation. So keeping that in mind, do we believe that God might have favorites? Then I would have to answer, yeah. His favorites are the obedient. He will move swiftly to the obedient. And I wrote this down, it's an important principle, and and it's one that you're aware of. In fact, most of us are aware of this politically, but this is a kingdom principle. It's this, equal access to God's favor does not add up to equal outcome or reward. Equal access to God's favor does not add up to equal outcome or reward. All of us have equal access to the throne of grace. All of us here, we believe this because we're all Protestant. We've been, boy, we've been, we've been ingrained with priesthood of the believer understanding. So all of us pretty much got that. We all can hear from God ourselves. We can get before God ourselves. We know God. We can do all these things. And it's true. All of us have equal access to God's throne. But just because you have equal access does not necessitate equal outcome. Very important. See, that's America's problem. America's problem as a nation is we think that equal opportunity equals or, or, or means that there will be equal outcome. That's not true. I, I mean, it's just, it's just not true. We, have, we all should have the same opportunity in our nation. I believe that. I believe in equal opportunity. But, but you cannot generate equal outcome. You can't cause everyone to be equal. It's just not the way it works. Why is it not the way it works? It's because some of us choose to follow God's ways and some of us choose not to. And if the way of the transgressor is hard, why should someone who won't get their sorry carcass up in the morning and go to work reap the same reward as someone who chooses to work 40, 50, 60 hours a week? I mean, that's, you're following me, right? we would say to ourselves, well, they shouldn't. They've worked hard, and, and, and they've reaped uh, what it is they've had. Now, I'm not saying that people, there's not a legitimate place for caring for the poor, feeding the hungry, and helping people. I'm not saying that we don't help people. I, I, I even believe that there should be societal safety nets. I have no problem with some of our safety nets. But this is what I'm saying. I'm saying that just because there's equal opportunity does not mean there's uh, equal outcomes. And so it is in the kingdom. Why, why would, I mean think about this. Why would somebody who refuses to get in God's word, who refuses to pray, who refuses to participate in all of the precepts that God has laid out for them? Why would we think that person would reap a reward from God as the one over here who decides to implement all of these things in their life? Now, I understand there are seasons and times and God teaches and prunings. And so I understand the whole counsel of God. But the point I'm trying to drill into you is this. God wants to bless you, God wants to prosper you, God wants to lift you up, He wants to exalt you. These are scriptural precepts, but He's not doing it for those who aren't getting it. Right? Very, very important. So, we start with God favors those who ask. Now, that may sound arrogant, it may sound a little bit self-centered, but more honorable, what it says here in verse 9, is not the credit we take for ourselves. If, if, if God blesses us and we just start taking the credit for ourselves, which is what some people do. They just say, look at me, look at me. Um, it's not the credit we take for ourselves, but rather it's the honor God receives when he sees it and he rewards it. God desires us to press toward the prize. Paul said those very words. He said, I press towards the what? The prize. I press towards the prize. And he says, it's a high calling. I'm pressing towards the thing that God has for me. I'm pressing towards a prize. He literally calls it. And my question is, are you pressing towards God's prize for you? Which certainly is his will. It certainly is the destiny. And it certainly is all of the things that are needed in order to make that will or destiny come to pass in your life. And the reason we oftentimes don't have it is because we just don't ask for it. We have not learned how to pray on target. Now, let's understand what blessing is tonight. I'm just laying some things down. We've talked about faith. We're still in the faith realm. Of course, in our circles, whenever we talk about faith, it always is linked up to usually resource and prosperity and healing, and these things are true. But let's understand what blessing is, okay? Before you ask God for a blessing, because that's what Jabez did, he said, Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Now, you know what that word indeed literally is? It's literally about 10 exclamation points. I mean, he's, he's before the Lord and he's going, Oh, Lord, that you would bless me. Now, that sounds almost like, Wow. Isn't that a little self consuming? Isn't that a little self, you know, perpetuating? But we need a clear understanding of blessing. You, you would ask for a blessing if you would understand what a blessing is. You know, we ask God to bless things. It's interesting. We ask God to bless our meals. We ask God to bless the missionaries. We ask God, you know, bless the pastor. You know, bless my family. Bless these people. It's kind of like it's kind of like when we're blessing people, it's kind of like, would you give them a nice day? Lord, let them have a good day today. You know, bless them. But bless means this, write it down. It it is the transmission. Blessing is a transmission of favor in a supernatural way. That's what a blessing is. The transmission of favor in a supernatural way. I'll say it again. The transmission of favor in a supernatural way. That's what a blessing is. Now, let me tell you why the blessing comes, because it's very important that you understand not only that you are to be blessed, but that there's a reason for the blessing. The reason for the blessing is in order to do the purposes of God in your life. Are you following me? God's not just blessing you, just only for you. I mean, He, does, he loves you, and He loves when His children... Prosper. There's a certain, there's a certain. I'm sure uh, 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 delight in his heart that he has. But ultimately, he blesses in order that we might do the will of God. He wants his will to be done. He wants his agenda to be carried forth. He wants his purposes to prevail. And oftentimes, when he gives us those things, we say to him, Lord. It's going to cost too much. I don't have the contacts. I don't have the networking. I don't, I can't, I can't do this. You said, this is your will. This is, you want done. I can't do it. It's beyond me. I'm not smart enough. I'm not sharp enough. In fact, the word already says that not many noble are called, not many mighty, according to the flesh. God chooses the weak things, the abased things. Lord, I fit that verse. I ain't much here and, and this is what you're, you're asking me to do your purposes and it is beyond my resources and everything I have. I don't know how I'm going to get this done. God says, wait a minute, I will bless you. That's how it's done. I will bless you. That's when blessing shows up. So when you're doing, when you're in the will of God and you're doing the will of God and and you purpose in your heart to do these things, then here's the good news. God really wants to bless you. He's not trying to make it hard. He wants to bless you. Now, let's, let's understand what a blessing is. I can't go through every verse in Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy 28 has about, you know, 80 verses in it that would make for a long night. But I have taken all of those verses and I have encompassed them in seven areas. Now listen to this. There are seven general areas of blessing or where a blessing usually funnels through. Seven areas. Number one, material prospering. In other words, you get money, stuff, materially you're prospered. That's considered a blessing in the scripture. Material prospering. God gives you what you need. You don't have a car and you get a car. Uh, You are needing uh, to pay some bills. You get resources to pay the bills. Material prospering. You need a place to sleep. He gives you a place to sleep. Number two, career favor. That's another blessing. In other words, you get a promotion. You get a raise. You get a bonus. All of a sudden, you're the top salesman for the last quarter. Career favor. That's another form of blessing. Number three. Spiritual maturity. Wisdom is a blessing. In fact, when Solomon asked for wisdom, it caused him to be the wealthiest man the world had ever known. Spiritual maturity is a blessing. Number four, governmental favor. That's a blessing. I'm needing some blessings with government right now. Oh, God bless me. And you know why I can go before God now? It was just, it just really, it, it, I knew this, but it was like, you know, when you know it, but then it becomes like, you know it. I can go before God and say, God, I need you to go down to a county office and bless me indeed. Because it ain't about me. It isn't about what I get. It's about your purposes, your will, your agenda. So governmental favor. You know, sometimes you need favor with the IRS. Sometimes you need faith. I know people here are, needing, are probably going to be needing favor in a courtroom. Governmental favor. You can, you can say, Lord, this is about you. Favor. Number five. Ooh, ladies, listen to this. It's when you reproduce. It's a blessing. Amen. Amen. Bless, bless us indeed. Children are blessing from the Lord. So even the unexpected ones are a blessing. You know, whenever you get an unexpected one, you need to say, praise God. God's got a blessing here for me. Number six, health and longevity. The health in your body and the length of years that you're given, that's a blessing from the Lord. And I believe as Christians, I understand, I want to go to heaven... And uh, I want to be with the Lord, and I'm looking forward to those days. But truth be told, when I go to heaven, my purposes are done. My race is complete. It's all over. I get to enjoy life with my Lord for all eternity. While I'm here, I get to do the purposes of God. And so, you know what? There, I think there is a righteous place to say, "Lord, give me longevity. Increase my years, that I might accomplish Your will. I delight in Your will. Give me longevity." And then finally, number seven, the defeat of your enemies. The defeat of your enemies. These are seven general areas. If you read through Deuteronomy 28 and you read the blessing about, I don't know, a third of the chapter is the blessing and two-thirds of it is the curse. But it will encompass those seven general areas. And so when we ask God for a blessing, understand... Well, let me just give you two reminders. Number one is God's blessing is about His glory. We've already mentioned that. God's blessing is about His glory. He blesses in unmerited ways. You don't deserve it. You didn't earn it. You're simply being obedient to the will of God, wanting His purposes to manifest in your life. And when He blesses you, it is about His glory. It's not about you. Number two, this is the important one, I think. Number two, God decides what the blessing will be. You'll notice here that uh, Jabez said, oh, that you would bless me indeed. Now, I I told you that I need a blessing down in a governmental office and and there's a place for that. But Jabez just went and said, Lord, bless me. I'll I'll take whatever blessing you have. Would you say that to the Lord? Whatever blessing you have in any of these areas... Lord, I don't have to define it. I don't, I'm not looking to make you do something. I want, Lord, I want what you want for me. Bless me. Indeed. I honestly believe that's what the scripture means when it says that God will grant to you the desires of your heart. I really don't believe that that scripture means that he's going to give you whatever your carnal heart wants. I believe that when your heart's right with God, when your heart has purposed itself in the will of God, that at that moment that God sees that what's inside of you is clean before him, that's when God, I believe, grants you the desires of your heart. So tonight I'm running us right up to time. I think it's time for us ordinary people to do something extraordinary before our God. Amen. And you know where it starts? It starts by asking. So I'll tell you what let's do. Thank you for taking notes or putting your Bibles, uh, in your lap, but now you can put it all up and I want you to stand up just for a moment. And, uh, Hey, why don't we come down here? Why don't you come down at the altars of the church? Just slip on down and we're going to ask God tonight. Let's just ask him for some things tonight.